0: Also, marvelous, isn't it, to start with meditation? That's just somewhere different. So, some of you will know that um, Father Lawrence and the Guiding Board have identified a theme for the community to focus on in particular during this year, and the theme they've chosen is unified consciousness. One mind, one heart. I uh, read somewhere that Father Lawrence had wondered what we would make of unified consciousness, and perhaps I should find a different way to put it, <laughs> but decided it would be a good theme. So, in these series of four talks, I like to offer some, some reflections on, on that, and this evening. I have given it the subtitle, Love is My Meaning, which is a little quote from the 14th century English mystic, Julian of Norwich. It's the way she sums up her her visions and her reflections and her life lived in prayer. It's how she sums up the whole meaning of Jesus' passion and resurrection and life in us. Love is my meaning. So unified consciousness, two little words, but I think two very densely packed little words, absolutely jam packed full of meaning. And when I was thinking, starting to think about them, and thinking about how densely packed those two words seemed to me to be, I quickly remembered a text from Luke, Luke 6 38, where Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. And I love that image of a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. And it made me think of unified consciousness or God or the higher power or the many other words or phrases we might use to try and describe something which is ultimately beyond our understanding that what it's trying to describe is so dense, so condensed, so pressed down, that it just has to overflow. You you keep on pressing it down, it keeps on overflowing. (laughs) And in a way, that's a marvelous way to think about God, God as creator, (laughs) that God is so dense, that it can't help but spill over. Into creation, <laughs> what creation is, you might say, is that density of God, which is so dense we can't see it, and we sometimes think of it as nothing, <laughs> overflowing into the created order. There's a necessity in God to overflow into creation, to keep on giving. For that dense love to keep on being given and to flow out. That's the sort of image that um, the 13th century uh, mystic Meister Eckhart uses for God in trying to say something. Makes a little sense for us. So, just trying to offer a few shards, really, or possibilities of um, understanding this notion of unified consciousness, how we come to understand it as we continue to meditate, and how we gradually come to participate participate in this unified consciousness, in the mystery of it, as it spills over into our own daily lives our individual lives and our lives together, and our lives in this whole, as part of this whole creation. It's not just an idea. It's a way to talk about something ultimately real that we can make contact with. Denseness that's spilling over all the time. It's being given to us, put into our lap. (laughs) Going back to that, phrase from Luke's Gospel. You know, sometimes when we run these well, always when we run the essential teaching weekend, which some of you will have participated in, we start sitting in a circle and everyone has a little time to say what meditation means to them. One of the things that's quite often said is that meditation has been like coming home. It's a homecoming. And what does that mean for us, this notion that meditation is a way of coming home? It's as though, isn't it, It's as though we've been away. It's as though we've been away looking for something that we haven't found. It's as though we've been wandering, wandering in a a foreign land, wandering somewhere where we don't quite fit, we don't quite belong. It's not quite home. (laughs) It's as though we've been feeling a bit off kilter somehow, out of balance, not in harmony with things, with people, with ourselves. Though we've been wondering and can't quite be ourselves, even if we had any much of an idea who we are anyway, It's though we've been wandering somewhere where we're not content, where we're left with fooling ourselves, trying to tell ourselves that we are, trying to show everyone else that we are. You know, that party we went to was the best party ever. That holiday we had was just marvellous, <laughs> whether it was or not, really trying to find contentment, when really it's only half full, and maybe that being away from home, not at home, maybe that wandering becomes so painful, so desperate, that we actually want to be unconscious. What we're aware of is so difficult that we'd rather not be aware of it. We sort of have to find a way to deal with it. And if we do something which makes us less conscious, we're bound to damage ourselves because it's not what we're for. It's not the destiny we've been given as human beings. To be unconscious. Be wandering. We're made to come home. Until one day, something catches us up. Touches us, breaks in, nudges us, makes us conscious, makes us aware of something else that we hadn't been aware of before, from some source we would never been aware of before. Somehow happens. Wasn't what we asked for or didn't come the way we thought it might. Comes from another place somehow. And there it is. And maybe it's a desperation that somehow turns something in us. Can't find what we need anywhere else. Sometimes that's enough to trigger that, ah, that little switch, opening. We become conscious of something else. Maybe it's like a magnetic force always been there, but somehow at some moment we come into range of it, been beyond its range, beyond its reach before. We sense this magnetic force Or maybe it's as though before we didn't quite have our equipment tuned in properly. Force has always been there, but we haven't somehow been able to pick it up. Or maybe we're just facing the wrong way. Now we start to feel this different energy. It's as though there's an attraction in us to it that was already there, but we weren't conscious of that either. It hadn't come into our consciousness. We weren't aware of it. But when when this connection happens, there's a sense that somehow we're attracted to it. something in us that is attracted to it. We didn't create or invent that either. It was already there in it. We just woke up to it. And maybe that's something of what it might mean for the scriptures to say that we are made in the image of God. There is something of God in us that's attracted to God when it breaks, when God breaks in, we have that capacity already within us. That we recognise it. We recognise that magnetic force, as I'm calling it, and we could think of it, can't we, also as a homing instinct that we have in us. Somehow or other, we know. There's a home, a real home, that we could maybe make our way back to. That instinct is already in us. Many years ago there was um, a video made about the meditation community. It was probably the first video that was ever made. And it started with the um, picture of a skein of geese flying home. <laughs> and um, Father Lawrence talks about our goosey nature because we have a homing instinct. <laughs> and I've always rather loved that. That's, that, this notion that in us we have a goosy nature <laughs> that actually somehow does know how to fly home. Well, whether this first sense of home, this magnetic attraction to a magnetic force comes in a flash and disappears, comes again and disappears. We don't know what to do with it. It just seems to come and then frustratingly it goes. And if we try and hang on to it, it just melts in our our grasp. Maybe it suddenly erupts with such force that we just can't, we just can't avoid it. We know it so strongly. We know we have to do something about it. Maybe it grows slowly, slowly, slowly over the years. But at some point, in some way, the attraction to that force gets so strong that we have to find a way, we do find a way, we're led into a way that starts to move us towards home. There's a way home. And there are many ways home. And maybe you yourselves have many ways, still have various ways and have had different ways at different times that eventually have led us to where we are now. Maybe it's been church, maybe it's just been life, maybe it's been art, maybe it's been literature, (sighs) maybe it's been 12 steps. But we've found a way to begin to go home. And then meditation arrives. There's a particular part of the way home. There's something about meditation, isn't there, which provides us with a particularly direct connection with home, like nothing else, really. It's so direct. We sit twice a day in this home of homes. That's all we have to do, is to sit at home. In this energy center of all energy centers. This magnetic force of all magnetic forces. We just decide to go there with that great attractive higher power and that reflection of that in us, that little home in the instinct in us, and we just give them an opportunity to connect, to come together. John Main said in the reading, actually it's very ordinary. Because home is there, the magnetic force is there, the higher power is there, God is there always. And we have this attraction in us, this home instinct in us already. So we just have to go there and keep on going there. Because to start with the attraction isn't very strong. So we keep on going there. We try to stay connected, of course. <laughs> we don't feel as though that connection is there very much during our meditation, it comes and goes. Most of the time, we're still wandering about a long way from home. But that energy center, that home, is so dense and so overflowing, it cannot not overflow. So as long as we're there, even though we don't think we're doing it very well, the energy flows. And the energy that flows is love. Because it is love. A never failing source of love. Of course, To start with, we think that when we sit to meditate, it's we who are doing all the work. It's we who have to make it happen. Whatever it is we imagine the it might be that we want to happen. But it's inevitable at that stage that we think it's us that has to do it. But as we persevere, gradually, we realize that something is happening within us, between us and through us, which although it's clearly to do with the fact that we keep on coming back to meditate, something is happening which somehow doesn't seem to be to do with us. It seems completely gratuitous it's nothing to do with whether I have a good meditation or not (laughs) it's just not the way it works it works just as well if I have a bad meditation as if I have a good one so it seems so it's not really to do with us it's sort of gratuitous it just happens grace Something keeps on overflowing, coming towards us, which is what love always does, gives itself away. It's as though we're coming into contact with something which has a life of its own. It's dynamic. It makes itself felt in our life, changes us. It guides us. It's trustworthy. It's love bringing us home. And the longer we meditate, the more conscious we become of it. The more we notice what changes in us, what shifts in us, what us, the more more we trust it, we discover from our own experience that this dynamic of love that keeps on overflowing towards us, giving itself to us, is trustworthy, trustworthy in a way that nothing else is. the way people aren't, the way the universe, in a sense, isn't. There can be a hurricane coming up the coast in Florida. (laughs) This is different. This is trustworthy. And the more we learn to trust it, the more we relax into it, the less we struggle against it, the less hard we try to make it happen and the more we begin to be able to fall back into this love that's bringing us home. And if you think about the scriptures, there are two places, there are lots of places actually, but two that immediately come to mind for me that say that. One is in a story, in the form of a story, and it's the story of the two brothers or the story of the prodigal son, which I guess you'll know. Know the um, the adventurous discontented son (laughs) who goes off to the big city and gets himself into big trouble, makes a mega mess of life, does everything his father told him not to do, and thinks, well, I'm so desperate, I'd be better off being a slave in my father's house than this. So I'm gonna have to swallow a lot of pride, go home, pair a speech, say to my father, Can I just come and be a slave? I I know I'm not your son anymore. I get that. (laughs) I've really screwed up. But could I just be a servant? Would that be, would that be all right? Must have taken huge, huge courage. So of course, as you know, he starts walking towards home with this prepared speech before he even gets there. (laughs) His father runs out to him in compassion. Kills the fatted calf for him. That's home, isn't it? That's home. This Continual overflowing that's going on of love, of the love of God. We can get way out of radar of it. We can get, we can wander so far away. We don't believe it's there, but it is. Welcoming, welcoming us home. John's gospel is a rather different sort of gospel, and in the um, we get these. complex discourses, these words that Jesus addresses to the disciples before his passion in John 14, he puts it, of course, quite differently, Um, but he's saying the same thing. Jesus says, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. We will come to them and make our home with them. So are we finding our way home? Or is God, Father and Son, finding their way home in us, to us? Wow. That strikes me as even more amazing. (laughs) This overflowing. (laughs) pressed down so much that it has to keep on overflowing. This love that keeps on wanting to find its home. Find the place where it belongs. In us. In the creation. Looking for us. Been rereading um, that 14th-century English mystic Junon of Norwich recently. As she says, lots of things, of course, but um, the three things that strike me as very much in this way of thinking and understanding. She lived at a time of great turmoil in England huge social upheaval, huge religious upheaval, non-conforming Christians being done to death down the road in the city where she lived, plague, war, church and turmoil all over the place, two competing popes, I mean, gosh, I think there's turmoil now in the world. (laughs) Maybe it was ever thus. But she says, despite everything that's going on in the world and around her in her city, she says of God, utterly at home, he dwells in us forever. Utterly at home in us, she means. He dwells in us forever. Somewhere else she says, God is the still point at the centre. God is the still point at the centre of everything. Similar sort of idea. Everything that is being condensed into this point of stillness from which everything bursts out. When we meditate, we come into that still centre. And then we flow out what we're receiving from that still center, center that holds everything, holds it together. And she says, there's so much going on in the world, in our own lives, which is difficult, It seems almost impossible to understand. We don't understand why God should even allow it. We have that way of thinking. What is it to say that God is the dynamic of everything that is? If there's so much violence and destruction and evil in the world, And she says, you know, actually, we can't understand it. We don't really understand it. We understand a little of it. The more we understand our own personal natures, the more we understand what's happening on a bigger scale, I think. But she says, that she is utterly convinced that all shall be well and all in the end shall be well. Because God love is dynamic and is at work and always will be and can never not be. And knows how to bring the wellness over time everything that is not well. We don't know how that happens, when it will happen or how it will happen. But she is absolutely sure that it will. And she calls it a great deed. <laughs> that there's a great deed that God will do and does do to bring everything ultimately the wellness it says, For as the blessed Trinity created all from nothing, just so the same blessed trinity shall make well all that is not well. And as we meditate, I think we begin to know in our own little brief lives. Something of that activity of God, bringing us home, making things that are unwell well. How we don't really know, and it's not in our time scale either. It's a bigger picture that our little lives are part of. But what she's absolutely sure of. As I said at the beginning, passion, resurrection, and the life in us and in creation of Christ. Love is his meaning. So, Let's um, finish the evening with a little lexio. You may know what I mean by that, or you may not, but it's really simple. (laughs) So I'll um, explain very briefly um, how how I think we might do that and we'll see if that works. I've chosen a few, a few lines from the story of The Prodigal Son. And what I'm proposing to do is to, to read it quite slowly, maybe about five times. I think the repetition often helps us to hear it differently, especially if it's something that we're familiar with, which perhaps many of you will be. So the idea Excuse me if this is clear to you already, but the idea is not to then think about it or try and understand it in a sort of um, heady sort of way, but just to let the words fall on you, really. Just let them come to you and see if any of them, you know, fall on you in a particular sort of way. If any of them seem to stick to you or stick out for you or resonate for you it might be the whole thing it might be a few words it might be a sentence it might be a feeling it might be a sensation in the body um, might be i don't know just some sense that the spirit has given you something for you to, to give some attention to so then i then altogether i'll, I'll leave a few minutes for you to let that work in you and then we'll just break into breakout rooms for seven or eight minutes and in the breakout rooms let's just do something really really simple. Um, So just go around, I was going to say in a circle, I suppose you do have a sort of circle on screen when there are five of you, (laughs) imagine it was a circle. (laughs) Just go around and and say what word spoke to you, just that, or a little bit about what that meant, but obviously quite briefly. Or if you don't want to say anything, that's absolutely fine. But the only thing that you need to do if you're not the one speaking is to listen and see what gift that what additional gift that brings to you. So we're not going to discuss anything, just saying what you want to say, and everyone else listening, and obviously briefly, otherwise everyone won't get to go, or we'll be here in my time, my, my English time till 10 o'clock, which I'm not keen on. <laughs> so I'm going to read it through probably five times, then a couple of minutes for you just to sit with it, and then we'll break out into breakout room, one, three, I don't know, yeah, if, if, of five. So here we go, but just listening, you know, we, we, we know how to do that, don't we? So I'm picking up the story where the, um, the young man has decided to come home with his tail between his legs with his prepared speech. And to his surprise, his father runs towards him with open arms and deep compassion. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. And again. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, sorry, but the father said to his slaves quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. then the son said to him father i have seen i have sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his slaves quickly Bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. And finally, then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. will um, lead us or take us into breakout rooms and um, also tell us when to come